the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. February 15, month halfway over. Once again, it does seem to fly, doesn't it? Got plenty to talk about today. A lot of headlines out there, a lot of news, stuff that you and I can both profit from. The one that instantly comes to mind, Comcast. Profit rose and they raised their dividend. Fourth quarter profit rose $1.29 billion. In the last 90 days, they made $1.2 billion. Company announced a $6.5 billion share buyback and boosted their dividend by 44%. Those are good numbers. That's what you want to see. I'm not telling you to go out and buy Comcast because I think you have to pick a team of, of the right stocks and the right mutual funds and ETFs. But this is certainly a candidate. I don't own any. I hate the cable company, but at the same time, they made $1.2 billion. You know, if cancer made $1.2 billion, I'm not going to hate cancer. I still love cancer. $1.2 billion is $1.2 billion, if you know what I'm saying. Zynga's in the news today. Like, I'm telling you, there's some, some interesting headlines out of the gate. Zynga reported earnings last night, first time since they've gone public. Uh, the company's getting hit with a slew of downgrades today. It's down 11%, sitting at 1274. Don't forget, they came public around 10. So they're still up 27% from where they came public at. When you take a look at Zynga, you know, you're thinking games on Facebook. Cityville, Castleville, some, something about Chronicles. So they were downgraded by at least three brokers this morning, cutting their rating on the stock from the equivalence of buy to hold. Everyone sees it as pretty expensive. There's stories out there like that today that we can have fun with. It was quite a finish yesterday on the markets. Stormed back. Late trading. Huge losses became nominal gains and nominal losses. It was still that, that huge run that we had. That you, Sometimes sideways isn't down. It's resilient in this case. The sudden turn of events yesterday was attributed to reports that a Greek party leader was going to deliver a letter of intent to Greek lenders today. That headline has resonated because Conservative Party leader Antonis Samaras has previously expressed opposition to the Troika's austerity demands. It also resonates because Mr. Samaras is believed to have a good shot at winning the Greek election in April and is 
it's necessary under the bailout provision that all party leaders provide written assurances that they will not seek to change the terms of the deal after the election. So the headline, it you know, made a lot of companies in the U.S. more valuable. It's strange, but true. Of course, the market's been fixated on the Eurozone. So we get the responses. You know, the, writing a letter from Greece to the IMF, the European Union, the European Central Bank, it, it makes Greece look like a six-year-old. I'm sorry for punching Billy in the, in the belly. There's a report this morning that EU finance officials are considering a proposal to delay all or part of the Greek bailout. If that's indeed the case, we'll see again a market that dips. So the subtle message here is, is that a dip isn't going to be the end of the world. Another show of strength today. U.S. market provided a good foundation for foreign markets. It makes for a very receptive, uplifting news. Further reports that China intends to show its monetary support for the IMF and the European Financial Stability Fund. An indication that fourth quarter GDP reports in the Eurozone were not as bad as feared. France actually increased GDP in the fourth quarter two-tenths of one percent. That's not a recession. Germany's economy contracted. But that wasn't as big of a decline as expected. So, all things considered, it's not so bad out there today. A lot of attention's on Europe right now. The Empire State Manufacturing Survey showed an acceleration in the United States. That's a key manufacturing gauge. It jumped from a reading of 13.5 in January to 19.5. That's a blowout. It's a reminder of the U.S. economy. It's doing fine. And Obama's approval rating is going higher. That's another indicator that the economy is doing fine. So we get this ongoing stream of better-than-expected earnings. We get some manufacturing data that looks good. Congress seems to be on track for an extension of the payroll tax cut. And unemployment benefits through the end of the year without a, a show of political bipartisanship or partisanship. So there's some positives going around. So we got lots to work with today. Uh, earnings out of Comcast and Deere and Dean Foods, Amber Crombie and Fitch, Dr. Pepper Snapple, Devon Energy. Tonight we're going to get earnings from CBS, Agilent, Marriott, NetApp, and NVIDIA. Greenlight Capital yesterday took a big stake in Dell, Xerox Research in Motion, and Yahoo. Greenlight's kind of one of those negative firms, so when they finally get involved, it shows you that that there's an extreme amount of pessimism in the stock, that they're, they're attracted to it because there's so much negativity already around it. Um, Soros Fund Management took a big stake in Xerox, Citigroup, AT&T, Schwab, and Amazon. Again, Zynga came out with better than expected earnings. Well, they beat on the top line. Analysts are concerned that acquisition costs and acquisitions have slowed down from you know, getting players into their games. Certainly they use Facebook as a, a giant platform for their games. And Facebook in the United States, it's believed to be pretty saturated. It's one of those reasons that IPO probably won't be as attractive as some people want it to be. Avon has approached HSN chief executive to be its new CEO, Mindy Grossman. 
cosmetic maker Avon is trying to replace its outgoing CEO Andrea Jung. MetLife earned one buck thirty-one a share, seven cents above expectations. Insurance company. Footlocker's in the news today. Athletic retailer announced a dividend increase, as well as a share repurchase program. So I'm liking some of the stuff that I'm seeing out there today. There's absolutely some positive news. What else do I have to be on top of with you today? Oh, how about some market numbers? Ding, 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 ding. Oh, I love me. Uh, the Dow's down 20, the NASDAQ's up 9, the S&P 500's up 1. 10-year Treasury sits at 1.9. Gold sits up 18 bucks at 17.36 an ounce. Oil at 101 a barrel. That's probably not very good, all things considered. Hmm. QE3, we're starting to talk a little bit more about. So the minutes of the Fed's January meeting are likely to shed some light on what the Fed's thinking when they pledge to keep rates low through 2014. So we'll get some of that type of news out there today. Plenty going on. Plenty going on. Um, Whitney Houston? The I Will Always Love You sold 195,000 downloads. This weekend, up from 3,000 copies the week before. Death is good business. Death is very good business. I want to dance with somebody. Uh, the greatest love of all. How will I know? I have nothing. Saving all my love for you. One moment in time in the Star Spangled Banner. People, 29,000 people paid to download the Star Spangled Banner. That's pretty surreal. Another 101,000 albums, nearly 6,000, up 6,000 from the week earlier. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. Don't forget you can find me on YouTube channel, I Hate Rob Black. YouTube channel, I Hate Rob Black. You can find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. No, my YouTube channel is Rob Black Show. What am I thinking? Facebook is I Hate Rob Black. It's the AM 1220 KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. We have an interesting day going again, heavily tied towards what's coming out of Greece and Europe. We've got Apple up another nine bucks at $519 a share. Crazy, right? We've got the Dow down 27, the NASDAQ up 14, the S&P 500 up 2. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a financial planner with New Focus Financial. Coming in today to talk a little bit about long-term care insurance. Let's start with what is long-term care? Well, long-term care insurance, and, and for the record, I don't sell long-term care insurance. Okay, that's I, good. You know, fee-based financial planning, but I'm a huge believer in it. I started in this business at a pretty young age with my grandfather who had a lot of older clients. Right. 
And about two years into the business, it seemed like the phone was ringing almost every week. I'd get a call from a husband or a wife saying, they've gone into a nursing home, they've got Alzheimer's, uh, you know, how am I going to pay for this? It's back then was even three or $4,000 a month. Now you're approaching five or six in the Bay area. You can see nursing home costs as high as 10 for a month for skilled right. nursing facility, which do the math. That's a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. 120. So the average person, once they go into a nursing home, first of all, once you hit about 70, there's about a 60% chance you're going in okay. and the average stay is three years. So that includes the people that go in for 10 years with dementia and just, you know, and, and that's the that's the killer of the portfolio. Yeah. And then there's those that go in for six months and have a stroke and die or, or you know, whatever. It's it's the average stay in America is about three years. And Medicare doesn't cover it. If you if you go through the right steps and you end up in a hospital for three days and within 30 days, there's all these rules to yeah. get any kind of a, a short-term coverage from Medicare. So the long-term, it's up to you. Okay. you, you either, you're either going to you got a couple of options. You can either pay for yourself. That means you've saved more than enough for retirement. So the person that that's able to self-insure is those people that are 65, and they're able to live off of you know maybe two to three percent of their portfolio, and that's more than enough. Right. They can probably self-insure. There's Middle America, which they're retiring and they're having to live off of four or five percent of their portfolio at 65. They need the long-term care insurance the most. And then there's those that haven't saved enough. They're going to go on Medicare or Medicaid rather, and it's called Medi-Cal in California, which means to get that coverage, not only it's typically not the kind of care you'd really want for yourself or your parents, but you've got to spend down to 2000 bucks, and only a certain amount of your home is now protected as an asset as well. So the, the biggest thing about long-term care insurance is it actually helps you stay out of a nursing home. If you have an event, you, have, you lose the five activities of daily living, let's right. say it's dressing or eating or continence, whatever, They'll pay for somebody to come to your house and take care of you. It helps you stay in your home. Right. And tell me a nursing home that you've like that you've been in, and you oh great food, great people. This is where I want to be in retirement. No, I'd rather have a wheelchair ramp built at my house so I can stay there. And right. the, the parent that you put in that old folks' home, they're not happy and they're they're, they're bitter and they're pissed about it. So it's a lose lose scenario. So long term care, just so people know, my grandmother she had Alzheimer's disease for five years and it was horrific watching mm-hmm. her die. Uh, did you know, like, if you don't get out of bed, like, your foot, your bones become so frail, they just collapse? Mm-hmm. Your yeah. arms start to curl up towards your heart because that's just age. Like, you just sit in there waiting to die. Bed sores and everything else. It's, ugh. My mother has had a couple strokes, and she's been in um, long-term care three times in the last five years. So it, this is a real issue. For me, I don't know because I'm, I'm going to live forever, Chad. You know, it's that's the, that's way the, the problem people is. that need it. You know, if you've got fam- you go. more family history of people just having a massive cholesterol issues and they have a heart attack and die, right? Versus, if I get a client and they have both parents went in with dementia or Alzheimer's, right? Um, even the wealthy ones that can do the the one to two percent of income and and be completely fine. Yeah. What happens is is they get to that point in time and somebody else, like a kid, is making the decision for them on care, right? And the kid's worried about their inheritance. They're thinking, ah, oh, dad's got Alzheimer's. He doesn't even know where he's at. I'm going to put him in this house where he's sharing a room with somebody else so I can inherit more money. So even wealthy people might want to look at long-term care insurance to take the financial piece of the health care decision yeah. out of the mix. It's really an estate planning piece as well. And you can write that type of instruction into your trusts. So, With, that, with that said, do poor people need to buy long-term care? Um, you know, it... You know what I mean. Poor people can't afford it. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things where you're where you're looking at costs of two hundred and fifty dollars a month and up. If you buy the stuff, it's you know early. Okay. It's more if you buy it later in life. Four to five thousand a month. 
Oh, yeah, if you're 75 or 80. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it gets to the point. You know, you've got to get it purchased typically by 65, 66. So in the get-to, you, you don't need long-term carriages. <laughs> poor people don't need it because they, poor they can't afford it. Too old. You can't afford it. It's, it's, your, your risk is too high. You haven't paid in the pool long enough. And don't think that it might, you know, most of the time when you're going to buy long-term care insurance, um, the agents say, well, rates aren't likely to go up. But really they are. Because okay. an insurance company, the only way they can raise rates is if they can go to the state and say, look, we've had higher than expected claims. We need to raise the rates. And the state will let them do that. So that could happen as well. Talking to retirement issues and more with certified financial planner Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. So it's a good day on Wall Street again. Dow's down 35, NASDAQ up 10, S&P 500, fractions higher. Home builder optimism rises for a fifth straight month. U.S. home builders, there's a portfolio. You know, you can set up a portfolio on uh, semiconductor equipment or software or networkers or tech or storage technology, healthcare companies, auto companies, consumer discretionary yeah, broadline retail, you know, hardline retail, softline retail. Home builders are, are one that I watch. In large part, uh, they've had such a bad five years that at some point in time they become very, very cheap. So I think it pays to understand who the winners are and who the losers are in the world. Home builders, I think, like I said, uh, there's some value there. Because they've been so out of favor for such a long time. They did do a lot of acquisitions already. They've acquired each other. Um, let's see how much time I got in the segment, a couple of minutes. I could go on this concept. DR Horton, ticker symbol DHI, is you know, a player. Again, I'm not telling you to go out and buy these guys. I'm saying here's some ideas for you. Havnanian, ticker symbol HOV. Um, KB Homes, ticker symbol KBH, KBH. Uh, again, consult a broker advisor for taking action in any stocks mentioned. Lennar, ticker symbol L-E-N, Pulte Group, P-H-M, Toll Brothers, T-O-L. And that's when I start running out of names in, in home builders. There's a couple more like Ryland and Beezer and MDC Holdings, uh, Meritage. You know, there's other plays on homes like uh, Standard Pacific, which does toilets and a lot of plumbing. Home Depot and Lowe's. So there's all sorts of plays there, but... When you see how negative it's become, it becomes potentially explosive on the upside. So the home builders starting to, and again, your whole theory here has to be that you expect a good, you know, another two, three years of slow economic expansion. You don't need hot economic expansion. You need slow. Fine. That's fine. You just can't expect a big recession. And if you do, then you stay away from the home builders. And I'm not answering all the questions for you. I'm just bringing up some of the, the thoughts and ideas behind how to make money on Wall Street. You listen to Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, i got a YouTube channel. I need people to subscribe. Please, please, please help me. I'm doing a money video of the day, a money video of the day. If you want to take a look at what that looks like, you can go to YouTube, search Rob Black Show, and then subscribe to it. It's free. Uh, more importantly, I'm also on Twitter, Rob Black Show. I'm also at Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. I'll go take a look at that, see if you're posting anything during the commercial breaks on AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. 
Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Apple's on a parabolic rise. It's up 10 bucks now, sitting at 520. It's been kind of ludicrous, if you think about it. It took a, a while for it to play with 400, 420, 380, 440, 420. It's gone straight from 400 to 520 in this year. It's parabolic i own shares i legally have to disclose that i'm not bragging i'm just i know it's a stock that a lot of people are intrigued by speaking of apple siri can't seem to keep a secret when you ask siri the iphone 4s digital assistant what languages can you speak it now says i can speak french english japanese and german but i'm always learning that's a little bit of a leak we didn't know japanese was on the the table uh, so maybe series line, maybe it's part of a future upgrade, right? I think that's what most people are expecting. So big stock news today. Uh, home builder confidence reaches four year peak in the market for new single family homes. It rose to its highest level in more than four years. European crisis is going to take years to sort out. We all know that. Uh, don't think it's going to be easy. Don't think it's gonna be fast. Comcast profits on better video and web subscribers. They raised their dividend. They increased their stock buyback. Capital One today gets approval for the uh, ING deal. This is important because it's the first time. It's the first time that we've seen, uh, it's, you know, since the basic implosion of an acquisition under some of the new economic laws tied towards financial institutions. So we pay attention. You know, I'm not going to get all hot and bothered. I'm not going to go crazy on you or anything like that. Um, you know, one of the things that I may do down the road is talk about some like the world's best beers to try to teach you, you know, the beers are investments that there's companies like Anheuser, Busch, InBev, London listed SAB Miller, Heineken, Denmark's Carlsberg, you know, between those four guys, they control more than 50% of the world's beer market. And, And there's four of them. So I think that's worthy of bringing up on occasion. Uh, other stories of note, this has been a pretty good economic winter because it's been mild. Let's talk a little bit about that because that's a concept that I don't think a lot of people want to admit to, that, you know, a butterfly wings beat in China could cause a tsunami. Little things in the world can happen that creates different investment results. So... The mild winter is part of what's improving our economy. It's not necessarily Obama. It's not necessarily Congress. It's not necessarily it figuring itself out. But the mild winter has come when we need construction jobs. That's the most weather-sensitive major industry. Construction's added 52,000 jobs in the last two months after adding 32,000 in the prior 12 months. That's certainly helping. It certainly helps cities when they don't have to you know, spend money on salt trucks, spend money on fixing potholes. It's not a trivial part of the improvement. It's a real part of the improvement in the last couple of months. Things that would normally get postponed aren't postponed when there's good weather. There's been no major snowstorms shutting down airports. 
some someone on a business trip this year can get where they want to go when they want to go. Bartenders and waitresses get more hours of work than normal because more business is getting done. So the improvement in the economy is very, very real. You got underlying demand not growing fast, but when you have good weather, you got people who go house shopping, people go car shopping, and you get related higher aid in that industry. So a couple thousand jobs here, a couple thousand jobs there do add up to helping the economy. And again, it's the weather. I'm not telling you that like the, the weather saved the economy. I'm not saying anything like that. I don't want to go crazy on you. I don't want to go lintastic on you. The Cinderella man hits a three-pointer to win the game last night. The insanity continues. So MSG, Madison Square Garden. Jeremy Lin, a second-year pro. He's been cut twice. Comes from Harvard. An Asian-born Chinese. Um, he's lighting it up for the Knicks. So keep in mind, Madison Square Garden, MSG, owns the Knicks. They own the New York Rangers. They own a minor hockey league team. Minor league hockey. Minor league hockey, that's right. They own a WNBA team. They own Madison Square Garden, the arena. They own some other venues. So it's not just him, but the stock's at an all-time high. Whether Lynn's actually worth that much or not is debate, and that won't be able to be settled. But clearly, waking up a franchise and getting into the playoffs sells a lot of tickets, sells a lot of future tickets, sells a lot of uh, luxury suites. You know, the Jeremy Lynn mania may cause Time Warner subscribers to jump ship in order to see the Knicks. Up until past week, the team's dismal play hasn't given, you know, lukewarm Nick fans a reason to switch. You know, question is, is he worth $71 million? Of which he's helped his company with market cap value. His $762,000 salary, $762,000. You know, you look at $762,000, that's a lot of money for a bench warmer. For jerseys alone, he's the number one jersey since February 4. I have no position in any of the stocks mentioned like Madison Square Garden. To me, that's speculative. It's fun, but it's speculative. Tesla's Model X car has $40 million worth of reservations. And I see stories like that on occasion. They kind of bum me out a little bit, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Tesla's an, a fine name. There's nothing wrong with the name. There's nothing wrong with the idea of, of making electric cars. The problem is... They're still making cars. And it's not a wildly profitable business. I'd rather own Ford than Tesla. Ford has metrics that I can follow. Tesla has no profitability, and they're not supposed to be profitable anytime soon. So Tesla to me is like investing in your your Uncle Dave, who's always drunk and promising to straighten up and promising to get a job. But it doesn't necessarily happen. You know, Tesla compared to Ford, uh, Tesla has no dividend. Ford has a 1.6% dividend. Tesla has no PE. Ford has a 7 PE. 
Now, again, I'm not saying I'm going to go buy Ford because, again, I don't like the auto manufacturers. It's just an industry that, to me, is not very profitable. And, yeah, you could have made a lot of money in the last couple of years playing the, the autos correctly. But for 30 to 40 years, you were losing in that play. So I get it. You know, to me, take a look at Ford. It's turned about sometimes next year's earnings. Not a lot of people are expecting the world from them. Interesting with uh, the battle of Coke, Diet Coke, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi. Coke and, and Pepsi both have a problem on their hands that Americans' taste for poppy, fizzy drinks is, is starting to subside. So it's not as great as it used to be. PepsiCo, part of their strategy was to diversify. They got into things like Doritos, Gatorade. They had a big sponsorship with uh, Tiger Woods. But they also got into orange juice. And PepsiCo's strategy to sell more orange juice right now is, is watering it down, which is great for the stock because it's an incredibly profitable way of, of getting more for less. Some consumers prefer orange juice that's less thick. Others want juice with the goodness of oranges. Some consumers will pay more or less for such versions. Some consumers add water before drinking orange juice. So Pepsi's saying, why not add water and charge for it? The best-selling orange juice in the United States is Tropicana. It's trying to regain, regain some space in American refrigerators, which is what it's all about. It's also about how much space they get in the grocery store. On any given day, you can walk up and down the aisles of a grocery store, and it's probably five to six major investments. You know, the Procter & Gamble's, the Kellogg's, the Pepsi's. Instead of trying to match Coca-Cola step for step in the 100% orange juice category, they're now focusing on less with more innovation. Trop 50 which is one of their big winners, a 42% orange juice using a natural low-calorie sweetener, has been a bright spot for the brand. Tropicana is targeting the Hispanic market. Gross margins are higher than, than they've ever been with this type of experience that they're trying to do. So Pepsi shares are up 1.6%. That's horrible. Coca-Cola is up 6.4%. The S&P Consumer Staples Index was up 11%. So you can see these guys are underperforming where they should be. Let's take a little bit of a break here. More investment lessons, more investment ideas. When we come back, find my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show, my Twitter, Rob Black Show, my Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. You listen to AM 1220 KDOW. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more.
Oh, the Lynn Sanity. Lynn's three-pointer in final second makes it six straight. <laughs> I don't know if there's enough of a story there for it to continue to play out. Uh, but the patent office has already received Lynn Sanity. Berkshire Hathaway added some stocks yesterday. It was disclosed. Not yesterday they were disclosed, but it was disclosed yesterday. But yesterday we, we learned that they added stocks in the fourth quarter. Warren Buffett's 81 years old. And to me, Warren Buffett is still the man. When you ask who's the man, he's the man. Berkshire Hathaway boosted its stake in DirecTV. It added holdings of Liberty Media and DeVita. DeVita is a dialysis-based company in San Francisco. He drew down some of his cash hoard by engine additive maker Lubrizol. He got a preferred stake in Bank of America last year. He added more common shares of IBM. He wants to get his cash down even further. Buffett said he's going to focus on managing Berkshire's large stockholdings, such as a stake in Wells Fargo. MasterCard, Intel, Dollar General. Dollar General's been a real smart one. A lot of people look at Dollar General as a game. Like, can I get $1 wine glasses and not care about them and they look fine? You can. And it's a bit of a game when you go in there. Now, he did cut down his holding on ExxonMobil. He has no holdings. Last September, he had 420,000 shares. He had 1.7 million shares of Liberty Media. I'm not telling you to go out and buy his stocks. That would be crazy. You don't know him. He doesn't know you. You're not going to know when he sells his stocks until 90 days after he does it. Over any extended period of time, this category of investing, though, it's been a winner. I, I, I believe in Warren Buffett. I like him. I think he's taught me more than I ever would have thought on how to value companies, look for the cash flow. So Berkshire's uh, playing along. He buys in the markets when they plunge. He's the greatest investor of all time, in my opinion. And did we learn anything by the names that he picks? Nope. There's some big names in there. Names like Intel, names like IBM. Those aren't surprises. With that said, you know, uh, find some people that you believe in. In no way, shape, or form are they going to uh, be the best way for you to invest. But it can teach you about what's your best way to invest. I don't like speculation. I've been burned enough by speculation, and I have enough money now that I don't have to speculate. The biggest speculators out there are people buying lottery tickets. Lottery tickets, record sales in California. It's expected that we're going to have at least a billion-dollar lottery winner sometime in the next three years as more and more people play the lottery. And lotteries are starting to change the rules a little bit. They're starting to look for $2 tickets instead of $1 ticket. Minimum payouts of $40 million. So they're, they're, they're figuring out ways to get you in. More and more people playing. You know, there's some people that 
governments fear spend hundreds and thousands of dollars playing the lottery. You know your odds of hitting the, the super lotto? It's about 1 in 170 million. It used to be 1 in 190 million. If you think you're that one person out of 170 million, good luck to you. Good luck to you. Anytime I'm in a grocery store or convenience store and I see people buying lottery tickets, inevitably I giggle, I smirk. Hey, I don't mind if you buy a $2 lottery ticket because for $2 to dream about what you would do with $170 million, that's a cheap, cheap dream. It's better than buying a $10 six-pack and losing yourself in the booze. Remember how you used to be great as a child or as a teen and how, well, this is what life gives you. You'll never get that body back. You'll never get that speed back. $2 dream, that's okay. There's people that plow tens and thousands of dollars in the lottery. I know. You're saying, but dog. I came close once, but dog. I, I, I rule a bingo. Kellogg's buying Pringles from Procter & Gamble for $2.7 billion. It's a, basically scuttling the deal with Diamond Foods as that deal fell through. Transactions going to reduce Kellogg's earnings this year by as much as 16 cents a share. I bet you can't eat just one Pringle. The purchase gives Kellogg's the second largest maker of savory snacks, a product with over a billion and a half dollars in sales in 140 countries. That's a billion dollar category, Pringles. It's a global business. It gives them a bigger global snack business. It's an irresistible asset. I, I won't even buy Pringles. I know that they're going to instantly kill me. So, acquisitions. There's been about 1,000 transactions in diversified foods in the last five years. As companies like Cadbury and Kraft and Procter and & Gamble and Kellogg position themselves for where they want to be. You're listening to me, Rob Black. The show is Rob Black and Your Money. You can find me at iTunes under Rob Black and Your Money. A podcast this show is also available at kdow.biz, typically about 10 a.m., so two hours after it's over, an hour after it's over. Both hours are up. You can find me on Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. I send out a video of the day, a money video of the day with three top stories. And I send out my show notes with the 545 hit that I have on the Channel 4 News every day. You listen to AM 1220, KDOW. It's the first day of my Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. 
hour two, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and much, much more. What's on your financial mind? We can talk anything during the show. First hour, we talked everything from orange juice to basketball to home builders. We really hit quite a bit. Pretty hard, pretty aggressively. I think it was a pretty smart first hour, so let's dumb it down. <laughs> let's take a, a foot off the, the accelerator for the second hour. World Bank President Zolik's going to step down. When you see headlines like that, you always wonder why. You always want to know, like, who's going to be the replacement? Is it going to be someone conservative? Is it going to be someone aggressive? Stocks are a little changed right now on Greek aid concern. I'm pretty sure, and I think most people are pretty sure, that Greece is ultimately going to default. That the odds are getting higher, not lower. Two years into the Greece's economic crisis, the lack of wage adjustments suggest austerity programs designed to put the economy on sound footing have not been fully implemented. This increases the probability of a default in the near term. If you look at their unit labor cost, they're going to have to decline at approximately 25% across the entire economy in coming years. If Greece is to regain competitiveness with other economies in the European Union, the Greek government's recent agreement to reduce the 2012 budget by another 3.3 billion euro, fire 150,000 government employees, reduce the mandated minimum wage by 22%. It's likely to prove insufficient to put the Greek economy back on a sustainable recovery path. Given that Greece's exports very few goods, the decline in unit labor costs may even need to be greater than 25%, likely sitting unemployment much higher than the current 20.9% rate. You think unemployment's bad here, Go to Greece. And there's more cuts coming. Nominal wage rigidity, likely due to a strong public sector. Reluctance of firms to discharge productive workers. It's indicative of the lack of adjustment mechanism in the Greek economy. In America, when we're not hitting our 8 to 10% profit growth, we fire people. And then when we start hitting slightly better than that, when we're getting too productive, we hire more. So why have Greece, Italy, Portugal, and Spain not been able to push down labor costs? The answer is that to do so without any offsetting stimulus would lead to lower tax revenues. And it's not, if it's not accompanied with you know, severe cuts in fiscal outlays, it equals heavier debt loads. That's the problem. So most of us think it's going to fail. But we're okay with that. We understand what the market can and can't give us. We play by the rules. We don't try to cheat. We don't try to hit home runs. You can try to hit home run. Good luck to you. I've got a guy right now who keeps emailing me about Facebook. Good luck to you. Everyone on the planet knows that play. Everyone on the planet. And when you have that many people, it can hurt you. So, so here's what can go wrong, in my opinion. And this will show you that I'm not always optimistic or pessimistic. I'm just not. I know that all investments are subject to risk. Investment in bonds are subject to interest rate, credit, and inflation risk. Diversification doesn't ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Past performance, no guarantee of future results. One area that I'm, I'm slightly worried about is oil inflation. I think if oil goes to $120, $130 a barrel, I think it would hurt us in the United States. 
it would hurt our economic growth. Unstable home prices could be problematic in 2012. And the euro economy. How much of a recession does it hit? And how much demand does it take away from the U.S.? A couple of years ago, I was on vacation, and there was this gorgeous French couple. Like, the guy was good-looking, the woman was good-looking. Like, it was pretty intimidating. And their economies were firing on all cylinders. And here they were in the United States uh, uh, spending money. We need those people. Now, again, we won't see as many of them, but we still need them. Did you know that Jimmy Kimmel is going to get up to $2 million a year from YouTube? Google's going to pay him between $1 to $2 million a year in revenue. Kimmel's YouTube presence is made up of 8 to 12 clips a day of material that either got cut out of his show or builds on some of his other skits. His channel has 314,000 subscribers and 40 million total views. I have a channel. I've got 200 subscribers, not 314,000. I only started a month ago, though. So go to my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show. The YouTube notion came in 2008. Mr. Kimmel noticed that posted clips from his made-up battle with Matt Damon were getting millions of views across the web. As the core age of late-night TV hovers in the mid-50s, he saw an opportunity to grab a younger audience. He saw people putting it up and thought, you know, we should do this ourselves. So he did. So it's deflating the idea that a web presence would drain viewers because his show is for 50-year-olds in the evening. Kimmel's ABC show is the only major late-night program to see a year-over-year increase in viewership. And maybe one of the reasons why is because of what he's doing with YouTube. That's some serious do me YouTube's recently made their YouTube videos uh, a little bit easier to make into programs, into television channels or in channels, internet channels, whatever you want to call them. I think uh, you'll continue to see some good things coming out of Jimmy Kimmel. So I think he's right on as far as his thought pattern. Home build of confidence reaches a four-year high. That's one of the top stories of the day. Key manufacturing gauge out of New York showed a sharp gain. Hmm. Berkshire Hathaway showed some of his holdings. I did a piece yesterday that's going to be up today on my, my YouTube channel, Raw Black Show. I did a piece about how the, there's no way of, of denying. If you look at emerging growth, there's no way of denying. That's where world population is, and that's where most of the economic activity, as measured by you know, consumer demand, that's where most of the economic activity is going on right now. Americans only have 3%, 3% exposure to emerging markets. It used to be thought that emerging markets had political risk, right? That they had trouble getting money. But emerging markets are starting to become a little bit more self-reliant. And take a look at the United States. We've got political risk. We've got a Congress that's dysfunctional with the president. We've got political risk that we can't do what we need to to lower our deficits. Europe has a banking crisis. One's thought to have you know, some of the oldest, most established economies in the world. They've got problems. So I think you can start making the case that the risk really isn't necessarily in emerging markets. The risk is in established markets. It's just a theory that I'm working on. Uh, more and more of my money is exposed to emerging markets on a yearly basis. And I feel pretty comfortable saying that out loud. 
I don't feel like I'm doing anything crazy or anything that can damage or hurt you. So markets are a little changed today. Comcast, the largest cable company, they're up 6%, announcing a $6.5 billion buyback. Profit jumped 26%. They're losing fewer subscribers. Kellogg's up 4.5%. They've agreed to acquire Pringles potato chips from Procter & Gamble. Hartford Financial up 5.5%. John Paulson, a billionaire, he's um, trying to break up the insurer. He's trying to find value inside of it. So this is some of the top stories of the day. China pledged to invest in Europe's bailout funds and sustain its holding of euro assets. BioSanta Pharmaceuticals up 44%. They got a testosterone replacement therapy developed for men. It won U.S. regulatory approval. Any man who watches The Bachelor probably needs this testosterone replacement therapy. Let's take a little bit of a break here. We'll come back, talk more investing, finance. We'll talk a little Zynga. Find me on the Top Black Show at YouTube. I can't wait to get around in California because it makes sense to go to California. If Hollywood is ready, tell us go to California because it makes sense to go to California. Can I give up? No, let's just go. LA. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. back in. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I tried to do a show to help you to get your retirement. I tried to do a show that highlights basic business stories with a spin that Wall Street is looking at versus the media. Amber Crombie and Fitch up four and a half bucks. That's an impressive move. That's up 10%. Their recent quarterly report came in better than expected. Earnings guidance, better than expected. They were too conservative when things slowed down. China officials are expressing intent to expand investment in Europe. Eurozone and a few countries reported relatively lackluster fourth quarter GDP, not worse than expected. Headlines are suggesting Eurozone officials may delay release of bailout funds to Greece, which just, again, it it feels like a yo-yo. Know that going in. Otherwise, don't play the game. Let's take a look at the top uh, numbers of the day. The Dow's down 31. The Nasdaq's up 18. The S&P 500 up 3. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. How are you today, Chad? Great. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. It's always good to have you in studio talking financials, talking money with me. You often say that you can't start a financial plan without a budget. Now, again, there's a lot of things you need to know about money. Budgeting is one of them. It's probably... Uh, close to the top of the things that you need to know, budgeting and goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, a true financial planner, true fiduciary that's going to actually create a financial plan for you is going to be very cash flow oriented, which means long-term cash flow projections, long-term projections of even your tax bracket. And you can't possibly figure out whether or not you've saved enough or how much you have to save until you know what you're spending now and what you're going to spend in retirement until you've created a budget. I mean, I can't I can't do anything for people until I know what their expenses are. You know what I mean? Right. right. Unless they unless I can look at their portfolio and say, "Well, you have way more than you need to retire on. I need a budget." That's it's one of the metrics that you use to say, "Are you meeting your expectations in retirement? Are you meeting your goals or not?" So, younger people just really need to move slowly and buy what you can afford. That's the that's the first thing about budgeting when you're younger is buy what you can afford. Don't buy what your parents already have buy what you can afford 
because people are going to be judging you by the size of your portfolio when you retire, not the type of car you drive. So, so you're saying the size does matter? Of the portfolio? Right. Definitely. Absolutely. So budgeting, you just brought up a concept. There's retirement budget, but there's also a pre-retirement budget. Is For simpler terms, a pre- like my lifestyle, I need a budget. I need to make sure that I'm not spending more than my paychecks. Yeah, well, you've got to look at the budget and see how long certain things are projected for. You can't just look at your budget if you have young kids right now, especially in the Bay Area if you're in an area where you're using private school. That expense isn't going to be there forever. So some certain expenses... Uh, private education, certain kids' costs, you know, the ballet every month, the soccer costs, that's going to go away at some point. But other things come back in in retirement that you've got to project as well. Like most people spend more money in the first five years of retirement than, than when they're their last five years of working because they're, they're doing either the honey-do list or the vacation dream list or buying the RV or the second home. All of that has to be projected. So you have to sit down and say, what do I want my retirement to be like? Am I really going to be happy if I just quit working at age 60 or 65? Do I have hobbies? Do I have things that, that excite me, that I'm passionate about, that I want to do? And how do I fund that? You know, How do you make money work for what you really want your life to be like? So I get the whole Rob Black's lifetime budget. You know, I get what I'm spending, what I'm not spending, what I'm saving, what I'm not saving. Um, I use Mint.com, which stands for moneyintelligence.com. It helps me with a budget because it tracks all my spending, Yeah, which yeah. is basically what a budget is. Track your spending first and foremost and then start, you know, adding other lines into that budget. Uh, what do you think about mint.com? Um, I think, uh, you know, if you can get past the first couple of quarters where it's kind of monotonous, you got to make sure things get categorized the right way. Sometimes if you're using certain cards, things can get double booked. So there's some definitely some weekly cleanup that you want to do for the first couple of months on Mint. And then, and then hopefully it gets automated for you. You sign up your credit cards and, and debit cards, and then it tracks your spending and helps you categorize that. And then you can see how you're doing versus other families in your same kind of zip code area. You know, are, are you, you spending more or less? Are you cool with uh, using an online tool like Mint.com where it's yeah. tracking your finances and you're not worried about hackers? Yeah. The, the, the thing that I've seen is, first of all, most credit cards and bank cards, you're going to have that $50 limit where you're you know, responsible for maybe the first 50 bucks, but you got to keep an eye on it in case something happens so you can shut it down. Most of the bad cases of identity theft that I've seen have to do with mail. Okay. You know, the, people that sign up their credit cards online, as long as they have a, a, a pretty recent computer right. with spyware and adware that you're constantly, you know, set your computer up so you're doing a screen every night, obviously. Um, it, I think it's a lot safer to pay checks online than to write checks. Okay. And and I'm not worried about the, the online theft, but you know, go ahead and get your identity theft insurance if you want to. So we need to wrap this up a little bit sooner rather than later. We talked a little bit pre-retirement budget. Let's talk post-retirement budget. What are some of the surprises that people need to start allocating for that, that expense? Your dreams, first of all. So you got to make sure you sit down now and dream what you want your retirement to be like that and budget for that. But don't forget, you got health care costs. Medicare insurance, medical insurance isn't free when you turn 65. You have Medicare. you got to pay for Medicare Part B. That's 115 or so a month or more if you're a successful person and, and have a higher income. And you've got taxes. Most of the money people are retiring with are in their 401K. So you got a million dollars in your 401K. That's really only 700 grand after taxes. Right. Absolutely. And then inflation. That's the biggest one. Healthcare costs are going up at five to six percent. The value of a dollar is cut in half every 18 years. So you can't assume that your your income will be level in retirement. You've got to be able to increase it with inflation. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com or chadburton.com. He is a CFP. So there's a lot of big stories out there today. One of them that I'll share with you right now is oil. 
Oil's creeping higher today, and it's probably it's on my list of potential negatives. Um, Brent oil creeping higher. Iran's cut exports to six European Union countries. This is according to Al Arabia TV. And again, we thought Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Turns out maybe they're in Iran. We thought Osama bin Laden was in Afghanistan. Turns out he was in Pakistan. The U.S. GPS needs to get a little bit tighter, a little bit more effective. But Iran's going to be a problem. And I think you're going to see military action uh, come from Israel on Iran. That's the expectations. With that said, it would create an event where the market could pull back. I wouldn't doubt that. It would create an event where oil stocks could have a big run up. When does it happen? I don't know. Speaking of I don't know, um, I'm opening up a new restaurant called I Don't Care. Where do you want to go tonight? I don't care. Everyone will come to my restaurant. I'll open up a restaurant right next to it called You Decide. I figure I'll have every restaurant business person in the world will come to my two restaurants. I know you're saying that's not funny. So Comcast beat by five pennies. Five cents better than expected, 47 cents earnings. Revenue is up 54% year over year. How's that possible? They announced a new $6.5 billion stock repurchase program. The company plans to repurchase $3 billion during 2012. Representing a 40% increase over the $2.1 repurchase, $2.1 billion repurchase in 2011. It's increasing its dividend to $0.65 cents on an annualized basis. That was a great quarter. DirecTV's in the news. I'll talk a little bit about DirecTV in the next break because it's a company that I find interesting. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to talk about that next segment. You listen to AM 1220, KDOW. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black. Honey, I'm, I'm Black. Apple hits new all-time high today. It's just stunning. Zynga down 12.5%. There's some negatives on Zynga coming up, including the lockup period where it opens up and insiders should be able to sell. That stock's expensive over $10. It starts to become attractive under, under 9 Doesn't mean you can't make money with an expensive stock but I'd rather own somebody else. LinkedIn is rumored to be in talks to go into China. Yahoo disclosed last night its intention to nominate four to the board of Yahoo. That's a company called Third Point. It's going to nominate four board members. SanDisk announced this morning it's going to acquire FlashSoft, which is expected to become accretive in 2013. SanDisk is a play on iPhones and MacBook Airs and iPads. They make the flash memory that turns on your computer super fast, which is what we all love and want. Once you get a flash drive, you'll never go back. It's all that in a bucket of chicken. There's some rumors that the next Xbox will have all flash memory and no hard drive. 
Flash memory is a little bit more expensive than hard drive. Absolutely. Um, Juniper Networks is breaking out today. I'm kind of just rambling here with some odd notes. It's above its 200-day moving average. A lot of resistance right at around 25, but it's, it's, it's pushing higher. TiVo's in the news today. They're going to report earnings after February 23rd. Most analysts are pretty, not most analysts, but some of the few analysts who follow it, and they're smaller firms. They think the company's going to have some good subscriber growth, some incremental contribution. A little bit of contribution from the AT&T settlement. I always thought TiVo should be acquired by someone like an Apple because the TiVo interface was so easy to use. But Apple, it looks like they want to develop, instead of a device that you know dangles under your TV, they want to develop the whole TV. Cut the wires. I hate wires. Not like, you know, I'm not like in a crazy way I hate wires. I just... They're so unsightly. So a couple other stories of note today. I told you I was going to talk a little bit about this was DirecTV. Um, Latin American business should have a 10-year growth runway. So they're getting more and more into Latin America, and it's doing very, very well for them. The relatively affluent consumer in the U.S. has you know, more moats around it. But Latin America is wide open for them. Quad play matters. Quad play being tied into the TV, into the internet, into wireless, and into your phone. AT&T and Verizon have basically effectively classed their lot with the cable, multiple subscribers. You know, it's, it's less of an approach than Dish Networks of building out a greenfield mobile business particularly if the government restrains relationships with companies like AT&T, but DirecTV is interesting. It's not, I, I can't get there yet, but I always pay attention to it. Madison Square Garden's up another 3% today. Linsanity continues. New York Knicks point guard Jeremy Lin hit a tie-breaking three-pointer last night with half a second left. They were down big to the Toronto Raptors and had a massive, massive rally in the fourth. The New York Knicks are being led by the Taiwanese American Harvard graduate, which it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but it's pretty cool to watch. Uh, one analyst today has talked about the FDA-approved new testosterone gel developed by BioSanta. It's a once-daily transdermal testosterone gel for the treatment of male hypogondinism. Excuse the word pronunciation. I.e. low testosterone levels. It's licensed to Teva Pharmaceuticals. Teva is responsible for all regulatory and marketing activities. So the royalties on sales of the product, 5 to 7.5%, will go to BioSanta. Market's pretty sizable. It's greater than a billion. But Teva's the fifth entrant. Therefore, you know, it's not going to be wild royalties, in my opinion. So I just killed two birds with one stone. Do you think birds ever stand around and say, let's try to kill two humans with one stone? And why, why, why killing two birds with one stone? Why not just use two stones? Look around your, your yard. There's plenty of stones. We're in no, no fear of losing stones, in my opinion. Let's talk about some of the other stories that are out there on Wall Street today. 
investing ideas concepts. A diner suffers a cardiac arrest at the heart attack grill. I love stories like this. A male diner suffered a heart attack at the aptly named Las Vegas Eatery Heart Attack Grill, chowing down on a 6,000-calorie triple-bypass burger. He was having the sweats. He was shaking. A lot of people thought it was a joke. A lot of people thought it was a publicity stunt. People were taking pictures of him. You have to have a pretty morbid sense of humor to find that story funny, but I have a pretty morbid sense of humor. Bypass burgers and flatliner fries. 6,000 calorie triple bypass burger. I'm sorry, but when you're eating like that, you get what you deserve. I know you're saying that's cool. It's great publicity. Wonderful publicity for the firm, right? Hmm. Maybe it's not great publicity. I think it's great publicity, though. Let's talk about some of the other stories that are out there today. Industrial production rises on autos and machinery. New York factories expand at the fastest pace since 2010. So we're seeing some nice little stories here and there, right? Again, that's not so great that you, you know, quit your day job. My whole goal of the show is to get you to build a more secure retirement. I've done this show for 17 years. And I'm always proudest when people say, you know, over the last 10 years, I've really built up my 401k, thanks to you. My goal is to get you to retirement. 77 million baby boomers will turn 66 this year. That's the new normal age for full retirement benefits. A deluge of newly minted seniors will continue at the rate of about 10,000 per day, hitting retirement for the next 18 years. Now, there's been unquestionably unpredictable financial markets. Ironically, interest rates for the baby boomers were so high when they were starting their careers that they couldn't afford a house. And now when they're retiring, they're so low that they can't afford the income. It seems as if bad luck continues to hit baby boomers. I like baby boomers. I hate baby boomers. In large part, they didn't save enough for retirement. They went through the 70s and they saw world change and they sold out. Peace and love, peace and love became a BMW and a second home. The BMW was financed from the first home. The second home was financed from the first home. And ultimately, they got what they deserved. They they got too leveraged and they didn't realize that. Rates can't go lower than zero. And I really don't hate baby boomers. I love them on a cracker. You make, make a nice baby boomer pate. And you uh, eat them like soy and green. I will say a uh, couple things. I think we will pay more taxes in retirement. I think we will have to work longer for less. I think that's unfortunate. If you look at your paycheck and you see how much you're putting into Social Security, you're not really putting it in Social Security. You're giving it to your Congress to go out and spend. I would like to see mandatory 401ks in the United States workplace, but I would like it to see really your money, really in your 401k account. 
instead of giving it to the government to spend. So from the end of the Civil War until about 1900, rates fell. If you look back at history, there tends to be these huge generational gaps of interest rates higher and interest rates lower. Then they rose from 1900 to 1920, and then they fell until 1946. And they rose from 46 to 81. And basically for the past 30 years, interest rates have been falling. So I think we'll see a reversal in that trend down the road because they can't get lower than zero. I think you'll see some inflation. There's just been long periods of, of rising rates and falling rates. And until you actually look at paper, you, you can't really figure that out for yourself. I got an email from someone who I, I, I hate getting emails from. He basically said, when are we going to pay the piper? Is there a giant CDS available in the event of we defaulting? You got to start talking about the white elephant. We might be in a bear rally. First and foremost, you're not as smart as you think you are. And I think we do talk about the important issues on a daily basis. The United States does not have a white elephant. We all know about it. We all know there's a debt problem of trillions that we're spending. Even if you tax the rich, you still can't pay down your deficit. We got to get back to lower levels of spending. We need spending to be 3 to 6% of GDP, our deficits. That's manageable. 8 to 10? No. And right now our government spending is helping support our economy. So we don't want to lose that. So I don't need Mr. Smarty Pants emails. Send those to other people. You listen to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Taking a look at the market numbers today. We have a down day on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's okay. We're having a great year. Dow's down 19. NASDAQ's up 23. SP 500 up 5. Zynga sinking today following their first post-IPO earnings. Thus still standing by, it's tough to make money in that post-IPO as everyone else has already made money but you. If the stock dips to 8, 9, it becomes very attractive. Stock lingers 11, 12, it's expensive. Home builder optimism rising for a fifth straight month. House leaders are praising an emerging payroll tax cut deal to extend it through the end of the year. So basically, you get to keep your own money. When you start looking at taxes, they become really offensive really fast. Federal taxes of 25%, state taxes of 9%, 10%, Social Security taxes, business taxes, payroll taxes. It's going to be 50%, 60% of your money, which basically means for the first two and a half days of the week, you're working for the government. I don't want you to play the loser's game that most people play when it comes to investing. 99% of the people who talk about investing appear to be playing a game to me. They're following global economics, 
markets, investment advice. They're trying to make smart decisions. The sooner you understand that you're going to be playing a loser's game, the better. You need to learn to invest intelligently. Because if your goal is to invest intelligently, what you hear in the financial media is mostly distracting noise. Kramer's just a clown. He's a monkey. It doesn't mean that people in or on financial media are stupid. They're not. It just means that almost everything they talk about is irrelevant if your goal is to intelligently invest. You need to ignore market news, market forecast, economic news, economic forecast, bullish debates, bearish debates, stock picks, stock pans, technical analysis, quantitative analysis, generic advice, and so on. One thing that you should know is that the number one way to get to retirement is maxing out your 401k. Even if the financial media occasionally appears to be right, you should still ignore it. Because as you're going to learn the hard way, if you consume enough financial media, there's no way to tell in advance what you're going to hear is right and what you're going to hear is wrong. And the ones that turn out to be wrong cost you a lot more money than the ones that turn out to be right. So that's the first thing you really need to know is the financial media. For what it is, it's just media. The second thing you need to understand if you want to invest intelligently is if you choose to play the global sport of investing, you'll not be playing in a special little league or low-stakes table. Globally speaking, there's a lot of economic activity. Globally speaking, there's a lot of demographic growth. Third thing you need to understand is that the only way for you to make money trading versus intelligently investing is to outplay top professionals. Trading is a game of big poker. And the pot that you're playing for is called the alpha. It's how volatile the market is. The total amount of performance that exceeds the performance of the index. That pot, the alpha, is is won by the same players. It equals the amount lost by other players. So to make it smart to do trading, you have to have a good reason for thinking that you're going to be one of the alpha winners instead of the losers. And when you look at the competition, massive global institutional investors, decades of experience, tens of billions of dollars to spend on research, traders, trading systems, information, advice, access to companies and governments, 100 other advantages that you've never heard of or will know of. And you suddenly realize it's your chance of winning that alpha pot and day trading smarter than the professionals are small. You got to remember the old poker adage. If you don't know who the sucker is at the table, it's you. One last thing you should really understand about global trading and day trading. Those people are paid to manage money. They're not trying to make money. They're trying to manage it. It's important because in most cases, it means they're personally will do fine regardless of how much they're managing. As long as they don't screw up too badly, they'll be able to collect big money management fees year over year from suckers like you. Even they do worse than the market index, which over the long term, more than 90% of them will do. You don't get paid a cent to manage your own money. You'll invest tons of your valuable time and effort in playing a game that you're going to lose. I hate seeing people try to day trade. I hate seeing people try to look at the market 
look at the economy, look at the news, and change what they're going to do. You need to accumulate wealth, and later in life, you manage wealth. You need to invest in a diversified portfolio, period. You need to rebalance automatically when the allocations get out of whack. That's it. You're now an intelligent investor. It's that simple. It's not a magic formula. And it's very hard to stick to it because the financial media, they need to make a living. They're covering the market 24-7, and it's exciting. Minute to minute. Buy things you can afford. And stop believing the universe will pay for it later. You need to have lower cost and fewer mistakes. It's hard to understand and believe that the strategy will guarantee that you outperform about 75% of investors. But you're going to be lower cost and fewer mistakes, so you will. So if you're smart and disciplined enough to do it, hats off to you. If you continue to think there's a white elephant in the room, you're playing a loser's game. You don't understand what you're doing. You're in over your head, and people like me will eat you for breakfast. I will eat you like a donut, slurp you down, and move on. There's a new video of a shark eating a shark. It's pretty awesome. you got to start playing the winner's game. Low-cost diversification, rebalancing. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in 22 hours. You can find me at Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. No, no, no. Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black. Find me on YouTube at Rob Black Show. Find me at Twitter, Rob Black Show. AM 1220, KDOW. The Ad Council. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.